0: It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW, in Sitka. Today is Thursday, February 4th. I'm Meredith Reddick with Raven News. In pre-pandemic times, preparations for the summer season would already be underway for Alaska tourism businesses, but uncertainty about the 2021 season has left many in a holding pattern, especially those that rely on the cruise ship industry. As KCW's Aaron McKinstry reports, Some Sitka businesses are feeling cautiously optimistic, while
1: others are worried about the future.
2: Come on in. This is our mudroom entryway of the boat.
1: Preparations for the 2021 season are already underway on the 68-foot Takina, says co-owner of Takina Adventures, Serena Wild. Extension cords and tools litter the main room. Sorry, it's under construction right now. It's wintertime project time. The company takes small groups on five-day excursions out of Sitka to go fishing, hunting, kayaking, or whatever else the group wants to do. Wilde and her partner purchased the boat in February of 2020, just in time for the start of the pandemic.
2: Our business plan did not have a pandemic in it, and luckily our lenders are... Understanding and, yeah.
1: Their numbers were a fraction of what they expected. And they weren't able to access any federal CARES Act funding because they didn't have any previous revenue. But Takina Adventures did have a season. Their crew is small, and the groups of no more than six guests test it before heading out on the boat. It's like your own personal cruise ship. Just you and your family on board, or friends. The company doesn't rely on passengers from large cruise lines at all. And that could be why reservations are looking brighter for 2021. Wilde says they only have a few weeks left open. That sentiment was echoed by a handful of local private lodges. Smaller cruise lines like Alaskan Dream Cruises that aren't subject to a federal no-sale order or affected by the closure of Canadian ports are also looking at 2021 with a hint of optimism.
0: We definitely see and recognize that there is pent-up demand for travel.
1: That's Zach Kirkpatrick, head of marketing for the cruise line. They canceled their 2020 season for health and safety reasons, but have plans to operate in 2021. Kirkpatrick says they're heartened by the vaccine rollout, but Alaskan Dream recognizes the need to be flexible. The bigger concern is for its parent company, Allen Marine, which has built a regional dayboat business that depends almost entirely on large cruise lines. Normally, they'd be in the midst of hiring upwards of 600 seasonal employees around the region right now, but they've had to tell people to hang tight. We just try as hard as we can to keep close communication. Of course, there's a lot of crew members that are really eager
0: and hopeful.
1: Although its economy is more diverse than many Alaskan communities with strong fishing and government sectors, Sitka's visitor industry isn't insignificant tourists pumped more than $50 million into local businesses in 2016, and the bulk of those arrivals came on cruise ships, more than 80%. Large cruise lines are still holding out hope for a 2021 season in Alaska. Norwegian could arrive as early as the end of April, and others have postponed until mid-May. But to get to that point, Canada needs to open its ports, and cruise lines need to meet requirements set by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control. Chris McGraw is general manager of Halibut Point Marine Services, which operates Sitka's private cruise ship dock. He says he was feeling hopeful early last fall, thinking the vaccine would be widely available in time for the 2021 season. But now he's not so sure.
0: At this point, kind of waiting and doing our best to prepare for the season uh, while spending as little money as possible, not knowing if and when ships will show up.
1: That's particularly challenging because they're currently undergoing a large expansion at their facility that needs to be completed in time for the cruise season. And they're not the only ones approaching the season with caution. For kayak tour company Sitka Sound Ocean Adventures, more than half of the guests come from cruise ships. Manager John Dunlap says they've hired just a few guides to start in early May, with plans to bring on more if the cruise ships do come. He thinks they'll make it through regardless, but He worries about businesses that have less diverse streams of income.
3: I think there's a lot of folks that have tourism businesses in Alaska that if if this is a weak year for them, it's going to be really hard for them to make it through to another year.
0: Alaska's subsistence councils are entering the new year at reduced strength. They've been hamstrung by a pattern of stalled appointments that have left few members ahead of the 2021 meetings. As Coast Alaska's Jacob Resnick reports, these federal councils are important to Alaskans who hunt and fish to feed themselves and preserve their way of life.
3: Rural Alaskans enjoy hunting and fishing privileges on federal lands to sustain their way of life. The decisions for opening and closing hunting grounds and setting harvest limits are largely made by the more than 100 Alaskans who sit on 10 regional councils. They're the ones that are on the ground and making these observations based upon a lifetime of experience and the experience of their of their elders and the traditions in their communities. Jim Fall was the state's head of subsistence research. He recently retired from the Alaska Department of Fish and Game after nearly forty years of service, and he's been to a lot of these meetings. They basically go around the room when they when they start their meetings and the representatives talk about observations that they've made um, about fish and wildlife populations and, and stocks or about subsistence uses, or about conditions in their communities. But this year, there are going to be fewer voices at the table. That's because more than half of the seats are now unfilled. It's not due to lack of interest. The Federal Office of Subsistence Management says it dutifully forwarded enough names last September to the U.S. Interior Secretary. But many of them, even long-serving members, didn't make it through to the other side. Don Hernandez was one of them. We, We don't even know who to call. He's a longtime chair of Southeast Regional Advisory Council. There can be up to 13 members. Now they're down to five. That's just not a real good representation for all of the different issues that we have here in Southeast Alaska. So it's going to be really tough to to get anything done at this next meeting, I'm afraid. Jack Recoff lives in remote Wiseman, a former mining camp roughly halfway between Fairbanks and Prudhoe Bay. He was a longtime chair of the Western Interior Regional Council that stretches from Antioch on the Cuscoquim River to the Brooks Range. It's a huge area. It's like multiple states. We need 10 members to to manage that area. They're also down to just five members. They're going to be completely overwhelmed for this meeting. Who is responsible for this isn't clear. A Trump administration executive order signed in mid-2019 directed agencies to reduce or eliminate advisory committees considered obsolete, duplicative, or expensive. But what is clear is that the Trump administration's interior secretary chose not to fill 35 seats late last year. The recent change in presidential administrations has added yet another layer of uncertainty, with people in the agencies scrambling for answers. The Office of Subsistence Management is soliciting nominations now, but it's a year-long process, and applicants who file by the February 15th deadline likely won't be seated until 2022. Federal subsistence rights are enshrined by ANOCA, and that's a landmark legislation signed by President Carter that expanded national parks and monuments in Alaska, but also guarantees Alaskans have real decision-making authority over their rights on federal lands. The regional advisory councils are kind of the, the linchpin of the whole system. That's Don Hernandez again from Prince of Wales Island. So having good-functioning, well-qualified advisory Councils is the key to make the whole subsistence system work in Alaska. But whether the lack of appointments is due to bureaucratic inefficiencies, the outcome will be the same. Less input on federal wildlife management decisions by the people whose lifestyle and livelihood depend on it. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Jacob Resnick.
0: An unexpected outcome of President Joe Biden's inauguration last month was the rise of a new meme. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders' mittens, in particular, got a lot of online love. KDLL's Sabine Pooks asked Alaska mitten makers what they thought of the buzz.
2: Sanders got his pair from Jen Ellis, a schoolteacher in his home state. The internet went crazy over them.
3: Well, I thought it was really funny, actually, you know. Um, I won't lie for being a businesswoman. I thought it was, you know, a great business opportunity.
2: Claudette Barber owns Claudette's Traveling Boutique in Soldatna. She makes upcycled wool mittens herself, lined with polar fleece and decorated with appliques. Her sales didn't really change when the memes were doing the rounds. Mittens have always been a steady seller for her. Like Vermonters, Alaskans are already attuned to the mitten hype, she says.
3: The mittens you know, up here are perfect because they really, besides for being cute, they're really probably the warmest mittens you could ever wear.
2: Barber is one of several Alaska mitten makers. Jennifer Bidwell owns Alaskan Mittens in Fairbanks.
3: I sold quite a few pairs that day
0: or that weekend. Usually it slows down in January, February, but this year it's kind of staying steady.
2: She thinks that has something to do with Sanders, though she's not entirely sure. Her shop posted a photo of the senator the day after the inauguration with the caption, Bernie has the right idea. Blue Door Antiques, a Fairbanks store that carries her products, made a similar post. Wool sweaters are hard to come by at Alaska secondhand stores. Bidwell says she stocks up when she's in the lower 48.
3: Every time I go
1: outside, I bring back two duffel bags of sweaters.
2: Crystal Achenbach makes wool mittens for her business, Always stitching in Wasilla. Like the Sanders Mee Makers, her customers seem to love mittens because of how they look.
1: I think a lot of people buy them from me because they're cute. And then the second thing would be, oh, these are so warm.
2: What makes a good mitten, she says, is layering the felted wool and fleece to create more warmth and block the wind her mittens also have small pockets. All three mitten makers say Alaskans already love their mittens. Are they having their moment elsewhere, too? Maybe, says Barber.
3: Once people, you know, actually, if they decide they want to try a pair, they'll love them. So it it may become a fad. It could very well. (laughs) I hope so.
2: As for the memes, there doesn't seem to be an end in sight. For KDLL, I'm
0: Sabine Pooks. I'm Meredith Reddick, and this has been Raven News.